sports fans. This is Jeff Powers, senior writer for Real Time Fantasy Sports. Welcome to another edition of the Real Time Fantasy Sports Podcast. On today's show, I'm thrilled to be joined by Stephen Hawley. Stephen is our first place winner of the Fantasy Championship. He took home a prize of $200,000 for finishing in first place. And if you can believe this, Stephen also had another team in the contest and finished in second place overall, taking home an additional $25,000. So Stephen had an unbelievable showing in the Fantasy Championship. We're going to talk to him about that and all things fantasy football from this past season. So you're going to want to listen to the podcast this week to listen to what Stephen Hawley has to say about taking home more than $200,000 in winnings in fantasy football this year. Before I get to that, though, I wanted to mention that our fantasy baseball leagues are now open here at Real Time Fantasy Sports. You can sign up for a league today. We have all different price points, all different formats. We have AL only, NL only, mixed leagues, trading leagues, non-trading leagues. So there's really anything to sign up for fantasy baseball this year. All sorts of leagues, different price points. So get in a league today and start drafting your fantasy baseball league at real-time fantasy sports. Just go to rtsports.com and click on the fantasy baseball link to sign up for one of our numerous leagues today. Again, just go to rtsports.com and click on the fantasy baseball link. And now here's my interview with the fantasy championship winner, Stephen Hawley. And I'm joined now by Stephen Hawley, the winner of the fantasy championship that we hosted this year. Stephen took home $200,000 for winning the big prize. Stephen, thanks so much for joining me today. Appreciate it. I certainly appreciate you having me, Mr. Power. Uh, pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, really exciting, Stephen. I, I mentioned this in my lead for the podcast. You actually also finished in second place overall in the contest, which is just remarkable because there's a ton of owners that do this, and I think just finishing in the top 20 overall is an accomplishment. And you had the first and second place overall team, so that's just remarkable. So I want to jump right into it, Stephen, and I wanted to ask you about your preseason strategy. So were there any players that you particularly were targeting in drafts before the season started? Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, I, when the championships first start, you know, coming up on the site to be able to play, you know, is around uh, – late May, early June, um, even before then, uh, you know, I'm, I'm drafting in some other contests that RT Sports, you know, offers just to kind of get a sense of how, you know, players might fall as far as ADP. Now, unlike those leagues, um, the championship allows, you know, the dual flex system. So, you know, how football has been played the last couple seasons that, you know, it's become a wide receiver heavy, you know, load up on receivers, you know, and, and you know, get your running backs later. Um, so, you know, yeah, there was, there were some guys that I was looking to target as far as, um, who I might want at the, at the receiver position. Uh, guy that, unfortunately, that I wasn't able to get in a lot of championships because his ADP was much higher in the championship form than, you know, say the All-American or the Audible or High Stakes contest. Um, a guy that I really liked that maybe I'm kind of happy that I didn't get a whole lot in my championships are Jameson Crowder of the Washington Redskins. Um, he was a guy that, I really liked and with, you know, Pierre Garçon leaving for San Francisco, um, I really thought Crowder could have a, re- a very good year as to where his value was as far as ADP. Unfortunately, it seemed like a lot of the drafters that I was with thought that also. So, you know, going into the year, just kind of how the past the past seasons have gone, um, you know, it was really load up on receivers early. And, and what it looked like going, <clears throat> going throughout the year is that that's kind of what a lot of people had also. You saw a lot of, 
you know, when you have the draft and you have your draft board up, you saw a lot of yellow hitting the board as far as, you know, receivers. And then um, this is just kind of a basic strategy that I've used pretty much since I've been doing this, uh, you know, playing heavily in the fantasy is I never really take the quarterback early. You know, I know a lot of, you know, it's kind of like a, uh, you know, you either have a guy that wants to take the Brady's and the Aaron Rodgers, you know, third, you know, third, fourth round, or you have the guy that just kind of takes three, you know, three guys probably after the 10th round that they just hope they hit on, which, you know, this year there was probably more than ever when you look at guys like Alex Smith, uh, Carson Wentz until the injury, and Jared Goff that, you know, if you had a couple of those guys, you know, you 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 know you, you hit very well because they, they kind of overperformed and overachieved expectations. So, you know, and unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately I, I did get this player a lot in my championship leagues as I was targeting Derek Carr quite a bit. Um, I had I had 20 championships myself, and on 15 of them, I had Derek Carr as my hopeful number one quarterback. Um, luckily, with those teams, I was very fortunate that I followed it up with either like a Matt Stafford or a Dak Prescott um, to follow up. And you know, it turned out you know with this season that Carr had that I was ending up playing you know mostly Stafford or Prescott, or if I, I picked up Alex Smith quite a bit. So um, that's just kind of some of the preseason stuff that going into it that I know um, that I, that I was going to be doing to hopefully achieve success. Yeah. I like to follow that strategy as well as kind of waiting on a quarterback. And I wanted to run through your roster of your winning team just to let our listeners know uh, at quarterback, this is for your starting lineup for the last week. You had Ben Roethlisberger and then Todd Gurley at running back, Alvin Kamara, Kareem Hunt, Larry Fitzgerald, Michael Crabtree, DeAndre Hopkins, Delaney Walker, Matt Prater, and the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. I think I might already know the answer to this next question for you, but was there any certain player or players that you thought were the real difference makers for your team? I mean, if you look at your roster, I mean, I can pick one guy out for sure, but uh, actually a couple guys out for sure, but but in your opinion, were there any certain players that you thought were the real difference makers for your team? Uh, yeah, most certainly. Um, the different, obviously, the difference makers were the the two rookie backs that I that I were, that I was able to get. And it's not so much as getting them on the team; it's where I got them on the team. And obviously, that's kind of one of you know one of the benefits of drafting. Like I said, this team was drafted on July twenty third. Um, you know, I was able to get Cream Hunt uh, in the ninth round, and then I was able to get Alvin Kamara the last pick of the twelfth round. You know, Kamara's ADP as the, as the as the preseason went along, and you know training camps, you know, went on. Kamara's ADP really didn't fluctuate all that much. He kind of stayed between the 10th through 12th rounds. But now Kareem Hunt, obviously with the uh, injury to uh, Spencer Ware, that when it got to about the last couple weeks before, you know, week one of the NFL season, uh, you know, I was seeing Hunt go as high as, you know, the mid-third round, early third round. And so to get a guy like that that actually, you know, performed – as a, the RB4 in fantasy this year, to get a guy like that in the ninth round is, you know, pretty pretty extraordinary, you know, whereas, you know, a lot of people, like I said, you know, a lot of people, it was, it was their for sure RB2 that they took in the third round that they were expecting, you know, a very good return, which even in the third round, Kareem Hunt, you know, performed very well and, you know, and exceeded expectations. But for me to get a guy like that in the ninth round, it just, you know, it really just helped me tremendously. Uh, having a guy like that and, you know, needing players that I drafted before then to uh, kind of produce themselves. So 
very good sleeper to have there. And like I said, obviously Kamara, um, you know, his return was outstanding, you know, and honestly, I, I even I couldn't have predicted something like that. Um, so, yeah, Kareem Hunt, Alvin Kamara, for sure, the two rookie backs. I, I attribute a lot to my first and second place teams because I, I had them on both, so. Yeah, Kamara even kind of started off the year a little slow, probably had fantasy owners a little worried, but, man, he really just took off. And then Gurley as well. I actually looked through at the rosters of – I just went through the top ten finishers on in this fantasy championship, and every single one of them had Todd Gurley. So he was obviously a huge factor as well because uh, he was he was a second-round pick. I don't, when did you get him? I, I'm assuming the second or third round. Is that correct? Yeah, I had I actually my winning team had the first overall pick, so oh okay, I, I had him at the second second third round turn where I took Hopkins and then just took Gurley at at three at three dollars zero one. So, um, so yeah, end end of the second first pick of the third, that's uh, where I took Gurley. Yeah, so that's great return on Gurley as well, obviously because he was the top rated fantasy back in the league. So. We talked about drafting strategies, and uh, I wanted to talk about in-season moves as well. I don't know how many moves you made or if there's any guy that really paid off for you, but I know you have to work that waiver wire if you want to win a championship like this. Were there any any big pickups for you on your championship team? Well, I mean, honestly, with the team that won, um, I didn't really have any extraordinary pickups. The one, <laughs> the one guy that I would say that was pretty, you know, significant going pretty much throughout the whole year once I picked him up in week five is Greg Zerline. Um, he was, you know, pretty significant. It's like, well, you know, oh, a kicker's just a kicker. But, you know, he performed at a, at a, at a, at a very high level, you know, not what we're accustomed to seeing from the kicker position. So to get a guy like that in week five and have him for the majority of the season, um, you know, that, that turned out very well. But as far as position players go, um, you know, I had Marquise Lee that, you know, I was able to play a little bit here and there uh, when Crabtree, like, got suspended. You know, Marquise Lee performed very well for me, uh, who I picked up in Week 10. And then uh, Samaj Ryan late in the season before waivers were, you know, canceled for the year, um, picking him up and actually playing him the two weeks that he actually performed pretty well, got you 16 to 18 points, and then uh, never really never really played him much after that. But – um you know, another thing as far as picking up players is, you know, after week 11, you know, waiver or the waiver wire is, you know, pretty much canceled for the season. Um, you know, haven't, you know, you just never know what can happen as far as injuries. And, you know, with the overall overall playoffs coming, you know, coming up and stuff like that, that you, you want to have a, you want to have all the necessary backups that you can have. You don't want to go into those playoffs without having a player in any position. So picking up Matt Prater, um, just in case, you know, something that happened to Greg Zerline, which week 16, you know, the last week of the season, you know, he got placed on, he got placed on IR for a herniated dentist. So, you know, I, that, that's something in years past that I normally wouldn't have done or wouldn't have even thought about doing. But, um, to pick up Matt Prater, and I mean, Matt Prater, the week 16 that he played, he only had six points, but you just never know how close of a situation you're going to be in because everybody's so bunched up at the top, having a lot of the same guys that if they perform well, that they're all going to be up there. So, um, you know, I, it, thankfully it, it, it turned out that I didn't need Matt Prater's, you know, six points to at least, you know, take home first or second, but you just never know. And I, I was, I was, you know, very glad that I, that I made the decision to pick up a backup kicker just in case, you know, 
something could happen to Greg's airline because you, you just never you just never know. You never know what might happen. So that's very true, and that's a great strategy move on your part, especially uh, picking up your line as well. And I think a, it's a great point. I like to drive home every year as well. Is that you know don't waste a pick on a kicker early. I mean, you you picked up Greg's airline off the waiver wire, and this guy was he like you said he was a difference maker, and so. That was a great pickup on your part, and it's another reason that uh, I don't waste my picks, my valuable picks on kickers early in drafts. So I think that's great that we got to talk about that as well with you, Stephen. And, Stephen, so at what point of the season did you just – you thought, man, I really got a chance to win this. I mean, there's a ton of people in this contest. It's All the pieces have to really fall into place for you to win something like this. Was there a point that you thought, man, I really do have a shot to win this all? Well – you know, going throughout the season, like, you know, I never wanted to kind of overhype my teams because on any given week, you just never know what's going to happen in football. And when, when I say you don't know what's going to happen, you don't know what kind of injuries a guy might sustain. A guy like Todd Gurley that, you know, has had injury history in the past. Luckily, since he's been in the NFL, he hasn't really been affected by that. But, you know, you just, you just, you just never know. The guys that have been really putting it up, putting up the points for you as far as your, like I said, Gurley's, your DeAndre Hopkins, your, um, Alvin Kamara's and even guy like Larry Fitzgerald who, you know, even with Carson Palmer going down and, you know, luckily he was still able to perform at a high level with Drew Stanton throughout the season and Blaine Gabbert, but you just, you, you just kind of worry, you just kind of worry, you know, is this production going to drop off? You know, Derek Carr not performing well at times with Crabtree. Um, you, you, you just can't be too sure. But honestly, after, honestly, after, if I had to say when I really got comfortable that I could think that, like, man, I could, you know, really win this, it would have to be after the Sunday games of the last week. Because, like I said, um, you know, it, it's just such – it's so close once you get to those overall championship playoffs and you get, the av- you get to start with the average of what your team has that, you know, any advantage that you've had throughout the regular season kind of becomes somewhat irrelevant, you know, it, you know, after after the regular season was over and before the first week of even the championship playoffs, um, there was a guy and myself that were first, second with that team that I have here, and we had a 60-point advantage over the team in third. Well, that, that advantage quickly got shot down uh, once you get the 12-week average, and it quickly turned to a five-point advantage. Um so after the game, after the games on Sunday and the performance that Larry Fitzgerald put up for me, and being the number one receiver in fantasy for me that week, along with Gurley, and you know Hunt came, and, you know he came on strong the last couple of weeks after kind of having a down period. Um, after the games on Sunday, when I saw that I still had four guys to go, and one of them being a quarterback, being Ben Roethlisberger, and seeing that nobody else had more than two guys, and a lot of them were Eagles players that they had going, a lot of Alshon Jeffries, a lot of Zach Ertz, you know, were the ones that they still had. Um, with me having a quarterback and having DeAndre Hopkins and obviously looking at it, I also had to worry about, like, who had Le'Veon Bell. That was that was obviously the big player on the Monday night football, the two Monday night football games is, you know, who had Le'Veon Bell. And fortunately it just seemed that it worked out that the closest guy to me when I found, looking at the overall standings, the closest guy to me was 28 points down to me. That had Le'Veon Bell. So with me having four guys and a, one of them being a quarterback, I really didn't even have to sweat Le'Veon Bell, which is, you know, obviously he was the number two running back in fantasy this year. So um, when I really saw the situation, I was like, man. And, you know, with having four players to go and the guy at the, at the time I was in third place and the guy in first was done and he only had an 11-point cushion on me, 
And then the guy in second had Alshon and Ertz with a nine-and-a-half-point advantage. I was like, honestly, you know, if 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 something had happened that that I didn't win, it would have been kind of it would have been kind of heartbreaking because I think in any normal situation, if guys could just perform even at a mediocre level, um, I, sh- I should be able to take it home. So, um, so yeah, like I said, I'll, after the Sunday games, it was really like, man, like this is this is kind of becoming real that you know this is this is likely going to happen. So I wanted to ask you about your strategy heading into that last week, or maybe even the second last week, because you had two teams. Uh, like I said, you finished first and second overall. So you had two teams doing very, very well. Did you have any strategy in setting those lineups, like maybe, you know, sitting certain players because you, they're on one team or going with one player because they're, I, I don't know. I just wanted to know if there was maybe some strategy playing playing that last week of the season for you with two teams doing so well. Yeah, um, honestly, on both teams, there were there were kind of some roster decisions that I had to make. Um with the team that came in second, um, I was very fortunate that I was going to get Ezekiel Elliott back to put in, to you know put into my roster. So you know having Zeke with Gurley, Hunt, and Kamara, um, you know only had to play two receivers. Which that team also had DeAndre Hopkins, which was you know a must start every week. But the decision I had with that team is with Antonio Brown being out with his uh, partially torn calf that you know, deciding whether or not to play Juju Smith, Schuster, or Golden Tate. And, you know, with Golden Tate, hadn't re- you know, he hadn't really done a whole lot uh, the past few weeks uh, before before week 16. You know, it seemed like a lot of his, you know, a lot of his looks, a lot of his targets, you know, with being, a lot of, with being an inside receiver, a lot of his looks were starting to go to Eric Ebron for whatever reason. Um, and playing on the road, in, you know, out in Cincinnati, I felt like it's like you know if I if he were in a, if he was at home in the dome and not on the road at Cincinnati that you know I might have went Golden Tate but I decided to 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 go with Juju and luckily you know fourth quarter you know he he had a couple couple passes and he actually caught a touchdown you know his you know he had close to twenty points so um very I was just very glad to make the right decision there and then the other team uh, the team that won. Uh, like I said, it had the same it had the same four players as far as Gurley, Hunt, Kamara, and Hopkins, which are all you know must must plays. And really, the only decision I had there was actually <laughs> I don't know why, but I was like, man, you know, with C.J. Anderson playing Washington or Michael Crabtree playing Philly, and I was like, you know, Crabtree I kind of had in my lineup for most for pretty much all the year. Um, the week before, you know, he had two touchdowns, seven catches, and even the week before that, he had he had another seven catches. Like, you know, I'm just going to kind of go with Crabtree. You know, Anderson's kind of hit or miss as far as, you know, if he doesn't – he really wasn't getting a lot of a lot of uh, targets, wasn't getting a lot of reception work. So, you know, C.J. Anderson is going to be that play where it's like, yeah, you might run for 80 yards, but if he doesn't get catches or a touchdown, you're just kind of stuck with those eight points. And I thought Crabtree would have no problem, you know, getting at least eight points, if not more. Obviously, I was – dead wrong on that decision because C.J. Anderson had 28 points left that week 16, came up with seven catches in the game and a touchdown, and Michael Crabtree got me nothing. So, you know, all decisions, you know, aren't perfect, I guess, but those are really the two main things that I had going into the last week. And, I, you know, there, there there was other things that I might that 
I, like, I didn't really second-guess myself, but, like, you know, do, it's like with Zeke coming back, do I play Prescott over Ben Roethlisberger? You know, and luckily um, I was very fortunate to make the right decision uh, with, ben, with with Big Ben over, over Prescott in that last week. So um, the main thing was is, you know, I just I just wanted to play the right – I just wanted to play the right lineup and not leave any points on my bench. And, you know, I could live with if Crabtree didn't outperform C.J. Anderson. That was something that I could live with because – Crabtree had, you know, performed at a at a higher level than CJ had throughout the years. So, you know, I wasn't I wasn't gonna be upset with that decision, even though it ended up, you know, did kind of biting me in the end. But um so yeah, the last couple of weeks just those those two roster decisions was really the main thing. So I wanted to talk to you about Zeke a little bit. I can tie it into this other question I had for you. So that team with Zeke, your second place team, I mean that's unbelievable. I have Gurley, Elliott, Kamara, and Hunt. I, I had a feeling that if you probably thought that team might be the team to beat if if not for the suspension. So when you drafted, uh, you drafted really kind of earlier than a lot, most drafts. Was that a strategy for you? Do you like drafting early? Did that impact your Elliott pick at all? Did you get him for a little better price tag because people were worried he was going to get suspended? I just kind of wanted to ask you about that uh, aspect of both those teams. Well, the uh, the team that won was drafted in on July 23rd, which you know is pretty early compared to you know mm-hmm. when most people draft. Now, the team that that I drafted that finished second, I drafted June 19th. Oh wow! So it was con- it, that team picked third, and it was at a time where you know Zeke was pretty much going. You know, it was pretty much David Johnson, Bell, and then either you know if you wanted to take Zeke, you take Zeke, or you take Antonio Brown. Um, during that time, that early, I mean, I was taking Zeke every time over over Antonio Brown. Um, so yeah, like I said, um, drafting early, it kind of gives you someone an advantage to hit on some guys later on in the drafts, like your Kareem Hunts, like your Alvin Kamara's, you know, guys like that that you know are going to rise up in ADP. Now, you, like you know, it was circumstantial. You know, I was very fortunate that. I mean, not fortunate. I hated for Spencer Ware to get, you know, to get a season-ending injury, but um, it was fortunate on my end to have that happen to where once that happened, you know, Cream Hunt shot up to, you know, the mid-third to fourth rounds, uh, you know, a couple weeks to the season start, a couple, two, three weeks before the season even started. So I just benefited tremendously by having Cream Hunt in the ninth round and you know i'm I'm also very fortunate that I was able to do that because the team that actually did win, I picked first overall and took David Johnson and obviously, after wow. that first week, uh David Johnson was no longer available to me uh, for the rest of the season with his broken wrist, so you know was, I, I was very fortunate that I was able to get like a Kareem hunt uh in the ninth round in that draft to kind of you know counteract the uh, David Johnson injury. Yeah, we always run the numbers after the season to see the drafts, draft spots, draft slots uh, that finish in the championships the most. So I'm anxious to see how many people picked first overall and won it like you did. I mean, that's pretty unbelievable to have that happen. So you definitely should be proud of that accomplishment as well. I wanted to ask you about, you know, you did this contest. You finished well. You're actually a longtime player on our site. You're ranked one of the top players on our site. I think you're sixth overall. I don't know if it's changed. I don't know if we've factored in yet this big championship, but I'm sure you are you could move up even higher now. So you're one of the best players on our side. I, I wanted to ask you about any words of wisdom for, for players playing a contest like this. Any any advice you have for uh, our listeners out there when it comes to a big contest like this? 
Well, if this this was a question that you would ask me maybe last year, um, I would be able to tell you, like, don't be surprised to see a lot of a lot of receivers, you know, going early. Um, be prepared for that. Um, wait, wait on the quarterbacks a little bit longer. You know, guys that you know in your All American contest or your high stakes contest, guys like Rodgers and Brady tend to go a round or two, even a round or even two rounds later than a normal league. Um, but you know, after after this season and kind of seeing how things you know turned out and. You know, honestly, like you know, for next season, I think it's going to be a, it's going to be a drastic change in draft strategy. I think you're going to see, you know, in the past couple of years where you've seen more receivers go in your first first and second rounds. You know, I expect next year that as many as nine running backs can go off the board in the first round, and it's just you know, it's just kind of how you know this year panned out, and you know, a lot of a lot of influence is going to be made on draft strategies in the future. Um, even myself, you know, there's, you know, last year I tried to take, you know, a lot of receivers in the middle to late rounds as compared to maybe a Melvin Gordon or Devontae Freeman or J.H.I. I didn't have a lot of stock in those guys and, and collectively in all my teams because I just trusted and could rely on, unfortunately, I thought I could rely on a guy like Mike Evans or A.J. Green, um, who, you know, didn't really have the best of seasons and, you know, they're going to, you know, see a little drop in their, in their stock for, for 2018, 2019. So, um, for playing in a contest, contest like this is, you know, it's great. It's greatly formatted. Um, I like the, the, the dual flex, the 10 starters that you can potentially play. Um, it kind of gives you, it kind of gives you a, it kind of gives you a little cushion in case, you know, you're going against a team that has a defense that, you know, puts up 20 points on RTs. You know, it's kind of hard to overcome not having that extra flex spot that, you know, maybe that you can, you know, overcome something like that. Um, But, yeah, so, like, as far as in the future, it's just kind of hard to see because I just fully anticipate that, you know, fantasy might be going back to how it was in, like, the LaDainian Tomlinson, Brian Westbrook era that, you know, the pass catching running backs, the high volume backs, the LaShawn McCoys, the Melvin Gordons, you're gonna just kinda of see them stay in your first round and, you know, receivers might not be relied on as heavily and I think next year you're gonna see a pretty pretty drastic change as far as how draft boards are gonna look through the first two or three rounds. I think you're gonna see a lot more running backs being taken and being relied upon to uh kind of anchor and carry teams like, like my like my running back committee did. I mean Gurley, Hunt, and Kamara. I mean, they were guys that I relied on and can count on week in and week out, whereas, you know, there was weeks where Crabtree didn't perform or Fitzgerald didn't perform. And, um, like I said, luckily I was able to have those those three running backs that it seemed like every week, you know, they were putting up major points. So um, that, that's really all I can say as far as the future, what the future entails in, in fantasy. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I definitely think it's going to be – uh, flip flop this year, running back, running backs for next year. You're really going to go early, and I'm kind of anxious to see how quarterbacks go next year as well, because that was kind of a position that didn't pan out like many people thought. So I think more people might go with our strategy of waiting on a QB. So Stephen, I can't let you go without asking plans for the winnings. I mean, you took home a lot of money. You're going on a trip. You're going to pay a house off. What, what's your plan? Do you have any big, big uh, ideas for the well, winnings? You know, uh, you know, I can I can accredit my father to this. Um, growing up, you know, 
just riding with him in the car through my high school years and and my early adolescence. You know, listen to a lot of a lot of Dave Ramsey. I'm not quite sure if you're familiar with the Money Guru or not, but um, honestly, you know, I I do have I, I do have something planned uh, here in, in the next couple of weeks, early February. Um, but that was already planned before even all this. Um, I mean, honestly, outside of, you know, my car is kind of getting, you know, I've kind of driven as much out of it as I can, and I will continue to do that. But, you know, I, I was already in the plans of, of saving for, for my car, for a new car here in the couple, you know, in a year or two or so. And, um, you know, I already had kind of something in line of what I might want to get. You know, I might get something just a little bit nicer, nothing too flashy. You know, I'm not getting that uh, <laughs> I don't that blame you. <laughs> thing right that that I that I that I really would like to covet, would like to have. But you know, it's uh, not 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 too great of an investment to make there. So yeah, just so you know, just you know, just really just a car, just something a little maybe like I said, a little bit nicer than what I was anticipating. But uh, you know, I don't. Luckily, I don't have any outstanding student debt or credit card debt that you know could go towards that. So um, other than that, just kind of saving it and putting it in a safe place, and you know see what happens down the road as far as any future investments that might that might happen. That sounds great, Steven. Steven, I want to congratulate you once again for winning the Fantasy Championship, coming in first and second place. Just a major accomplishment, great stuff, and great stuff on the podcast today. I really appreciate you coming on. I'm going to have to have you on again before the season starts next year. We'll have to talk a little bit of strategy and maybe talk about some of the players you like. You don't have to reveal too much. I know you're going to want to play some of it close to the vest, but I'd like to have have you on again sometime. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks again, Jeff. Um it was it was it was truly an honor. It was it was a great time talking with you today and um you know I like I said, I I've spoken with Mark Hanna, uh RT RT sports president and you know any time that somebody mentions fantasy football or like where they might want to play that, you know, that they're they're kinda not necessarily sick of their home league, but that, you know, they might want to play more, you know, a little bit more competitively. You know, I, I'll always be first to mention, uh, RT sports. I think that they've made this such a, such an easy process as far as, you know, the money collection and it, it, it is when it's smooth, it's been as smooth as it is possibly it could been. And like I said, I, I think, I thank Mark Hanna for that. And, um, yeah, I just look for you know next year. Talk preseason. Talk you know ADP. Talk you know where guys are going. How how drafts are looking. And you know the prediction obviously right now is you know I think that nine to ten running backs will go in the first round. And it'll be interesting to see interesting to see if if that's the case uh, going forward uh, into next season. Well, there you have it. That's Stephen Hawley. He's already planning for next year to defend his crown of the fantasy championship. Stephen, thanks again for coming on. We will do it again before the start of drafts coming next year. Thanks a lot, Stephen. Thank you, Jeff. Look forward to seeing you soon. And that was my interview with Stephen Hawley, the winner of the Fantasy Championship this season, hosted by us at Real Time Fantasy Sports. He took home more than $200,000 for finishing in first place. I want to thank Stephen for doing a great job on the show, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast today. This has been Jeff Power for Real Time Fantasy Sports. Have a great day, everyone.